Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your host Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige DeMakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. Guys, there is uh, some news we got to get into today, which, uh, listen, it's, it's June, it's the slowest season for football regularly, it's especially slow with uh, everything that has happened, obviously with COVID, we didn't get rookie minicamps in the traditional way, so getting some news, even though it's holdout news, uh, it's still, it still feels exciting. It still feels like, man, there's something to talk about. And would it actually be an offseason in the NFL if there was not a superstar running back that was holding out, Jamie? Because this seems like this is just, this is what happens now, and it happens each and every year. Yeah, so this is going to be the third year in a row where a first-round fantasy pick is, is allegedly holding out. We'll see what, I mean, he's not holding out of much right now, but we'll see what happens when, it, uh, when teams actually start meeting again. But yeah, you had Lev Bell in 2018. Last year, you had Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon. Uh, now you have Dalvin Cook. So that's four first-round running backs. And Dalvin Cook, a lot like Le'Veon Bell, is going top four uh, right now in early fantasy drafts. Uh, I, I think this is something that I will monitor, but I'm not overly worried yet. Part of it's because it's June and nothing's happening yet because of the, everybody being inside for COVID. But uh, part of it's because, uh, as we were talking a little bit on the pre-show, his contract demands aren't astronomical. They're high, but they're not astronomical. And I, I think there's room to work with there. I also think that as m- much as some of those other guys have had leverage in the past, I think Cook has a little less leverage than, let's say, Zeke had, uh, just because of the injury history. And they're going to come back to him and say, look, we know what you can do when you play, but you still haven't put together a full season. You got 14 games last year, which was great, but you missed the final two games of the season and you've missed a lot of time in your three years in the NFL. You know, he doesn't have that. He was a second round pick, so he doesn't have that fifth year option. So that's why this has to happen now. And if I'm Dalvin Cook, this is the time you hold out. You came off of your career year, your healthiest year. You're in your last year of your deal. I get saying, you know what, let me get my money because yeah, I have an extended injury history, but uh, I don't expect this is, this is going to be something that lingers too long, but it is something to monitor. And if you do, for whatever reason, do your fantasy draft super early, you obviously can't spend a top five pick on him right now just because of the uncertainty. But uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see if he, if he gets around that alleged reported $13 million a year that he referenced or that was reportedly referenced uh, in regards to David Johnson's annual average value. And if he does, if that is that a two or three year deal, because if it's going to be a longer term deal, I can't see him getting that much. Yeah, guys, look, I drove the bus of Dalvin cook in the preseason last year, I jumped all in. I am willing to ride along in the bus and buckle up and go along for the ride at the right value, but not top four, regardless of this gets done. There's a couple reasons why he's one of the most dynamic running backs in the league. We know that when he's healthy, he's got some guys that played in his absence last year that played damn good. That mini beast mode. We called Madison Boone played really well. Amir Abdullah played good at times catching the ball out of the backfield. They have a little bit of leverage. Now, this we talked in the pre-show. If this is like David Johnson, this is a three-year deal. That was an extremely good deal for the Cardinals when Steve Kime did it. It was a great deal for David Johnson. Well, he set himself for life, uh, and he was smart to get it done early. They were smart to get it done early. David Johnson was a third-round pick, so there was no fifth-year option on that as well. I don't know that they get there, but this better get done before camp. You have nothing else to work on. My big question is, if I'm remembering correctly from all of our shows this offseason, they have no cap space. They couldn't bring back Everson Griffin even on a discounted price. 
unless it's really discounted at this point. If they're planning on doing that now, they probably have some veterans they'd like to bring in. And I don't know, the problem with running back contracts compared to quarterback contracts, a lot of times you'll see a quarterback's deal as an extension. They'll play that one year with a giant signing bonus, and it doesn't kick, kick in on the cap until the next year when the, when the deal actually runs up. Running backs, most of the time, they throw out the original contract and they start a new one. So if you go back to like Amari Cooper's deal, he got a giant signing bonus. The deal doesn't kick in until later. So it looks like a $100 million deal. It really wasn't on the cap at certain times. This one would be really interesting to see if they have the cap space to do it or if they have to do it like a quarterback contract where they move it out a year. And technically he plays on his fourth year contract with a giant signing bonus and the rest of it kicks in later. And it really all just comes out of guaranteed money, period. Do you yeah, guys about twelve million dollars in cap space right now? Okay, uh, that was I was going to ask Jamie if you could pull that up. So, uh, do you guys? I want to put because I I recognize that yes, it's not as concerning right now because it is June and there isn't anything to hold out from yet. But in light of the fact that we have watched superstars sit out games an entire season in Le'Veon Bell's case, what is the percentage? that you think you could put on potentially Dalvin Cook missing games, Jamie? Missing any sort of game? Yes, any sort of games. 30%. Missing the season, zero. Okay. Jake? I'd say missing a regular season game, less than 10%. Okay. Missing the two preseason games and half a training camp. I don't think they care about running backs getting reps that much. They want them in practice getting reps. This offense could change a little bit. It is a new play caller. Gary Kubiak was watching everything that happened with Kevin Stefanski, so not a ton, but they want him there. They don't really want him playing those preseason games anyway. So if he doesn't do that, you know, I'd give it maybe 50% he misses time in camp, but I less than 10 that I think he misses a regular season game. Everybody saw what happened to Le'Veon Bell. He's still – the Jets went a little crazy, but they're really the only team in the mix to give him that kind of money. You look at it overall and you really go, okay, that was the, the plus side of holding out. Look what happened to Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's been more productive than Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And he got For a what, longer two, period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Two years and, and what, 10 million each, whatever it was. I mean, to split carries. I mean, exactly. really, yeah, all exactly. those, with, so the except, I, yeah, with the exception of Zeke, I mean, there was money on the table left for Le'Veon as well. I mean, I know the Jets gave him a good contract, but that, uh, that last there offer. Was nobody offering, there was nobody offering more money than the Jets. Yeah, no, but that last Steelers offer that they oh, yeah, had made him, he was fantastic. Yeah. He, he yeah. left money on the table yes, when he sat he out. And, yes. and he, I, I think if you looked at his overall demeanor last year. He didn't look like he was enjoying playing football all that much on numerous occasions either. It's, you know, the grass is always green on the other side. Le'Veon had a pretty good situation in, in, in Pittsburgh and then went to New York where his head coach doesn't run the football. So it or was, like him. Or like him. Yeah, for, yeah. I mean, Adam Gase is a strange bird. That's and if sure. you look at the trends of how this is going, it's going towards, okay, we'll just draft another one in the second or yeah. third round next year. We'll have multiple guys. They like the guys they had. We just talked about, which will transition us into the next guy. But Alexander Madison is a beast when he plays. Boone was really good when he played. I don't know that he has a ton of leverage. And if you look at the recency of, of what's going on with these running backs, Le'Veon Bell was the exception of actually still getting big money. Zeke was getting his regardless because that's really what everything goes through. And Jerry, that's a different situation. But Melvin Gordon should let them all know, dude, don't think I, I know Melvin Gordon. I know his agent. I know what was going on there. This was really was on Melvin, but they all should learn from that. That, that was a telltale sign of where the trends are going in the NFL. And it's not giving these running backs giant money until Jamie's point. We talked about the pre-show unless it's a short-term deal. And they just, they just load it up and they give the guaranteed money over like two years. Even if it's a three-year deal, they loaded up the guaranteed money for two years while he's still, what, 25, 26, 27. Yeah, and Melvin Gordon's the comp here. I think the outliers are Zeke and Christian McCaffrey. The way they're using the, the, basically the heart and soul of those offenses, the picks used to get them. I mean, there's, there are things that are a little bit different about those particular situations that aren't, you know, aren't applicable just to any just good running back. I think Melvin Gordon is somebody that's been in that, you know, top 10 running back conversation for a few years, has the talent, a lot like Cook has displayed, uh, and you saw what happened to him. Um, and that kind of leads us into the Madison conversation. That was the comp I used uh, for my cheap plug here at draftnetwork.com. You know, I took, look, if Cook plays all 16 games, you have, a, you have a general idea of where he's ranked. If Cook doesn't play the whole season, which is not happening, obviously you don't want to draft him. 
So I, I kind of look and said, what happens if this turns into a Melvin Gordon situation where uh, he sits out or misses the first four weeks, makes his debut in week five? What would Alexander Madison's value be there? Because I think if you're drafting him above that sort of value, you're drafting him way too high. Yeah, because I think that's your best case scenario is that you get four starts of Alexander Madison and then him kind of being that, you know, 23 to 25% of the carries afterwards, which is what he got last year, is a little bit over 23%. Um, and now that could be a factor in for injuries and other stuff too, but that's kind of what I looked at. And, you know, when I did all the research, which you can kind of read and see all the statistical breakdowns I did, uh, he came into me as, as the RB30 for the season um, in that scenario where he starts four games uh, and then is the number two behind Cook the rest of the way. Uh, you know, what do you think about that ranking? Is that too high, too low? I mean, right now he's going as the 45th running back off the board, but that's pre this news. I imagine he's going to skyrocket up draft boards pretty soon. One, I love the player, and I paid attention to this closely last year because I went all in on Dalvin Cook, as you guys know, in the preseason, every league I had. So I handcuffed him with Madison a, a bunch or picked him up later to have him on the bench. Uh, I think you're, you're close. That's probably right in between 30 and 45. But there were times last year when they won big and they sat Cook. Madison played yeah. the whole fourth quarter. He was getting 10, 12 carries and three or four catches. He catches the ball just as well as Cook does. The difference between, like, McCaffrey, you can't put McCaffrey with anybody. One, he plays all 16 games. He plays every play of every, every 16 games. And he catches over 100 balls a year. And Zeke is his own category. But Zeke plays all 16 games. Uh, I think Madison's value here is he's going to get – I mean, every one of – even the close games, every one of those, he got one or two catches and seven to eight carries. Now, Cook was getting, you know, 18 and three or four. But there's still value there. So, I love the handcuff option with Madison. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, then Boone yeah. even got some stuff here and there when they were both healthy as well. Now, Madison got banged up a little bit last year, and Boone had to play. Uh, but I, I think we're, you're, you're right in between. If he doesn't miss those four games, then you gotta, you got to knock it a little bit. But somewhere, you know, about 40. Uh, but there's definitely value there, and I, li I love the player. Like I, we called him mini beast mode on the show last year. Yeah. Because when he got to play, he reminded us of that. He's bouncing off the guys. He was running hard. Now, that bit him a little bit. I don't know if that was why the injury happened, because he's not as big as beast mode. But I love the player. I think there's definitely value there. But even if Delvin, let's say he doesn't miss time for the holdout, I think with the injury history, it's probably realistic to go between the combination of a holdout and just who he is as a player. There's a fairly good chance that Alexander Madison's going to be starting games, right? I think, I think the way Jamie has it set up that you've got two factors here and between the two of them, it's a pretty good chance that you're going to see Alexander Madison as, as a starter in, in whether it's a holdout or an injury. And the other part of it is guys, maybe Maybe we're seeing what we saw last year, but maybe he's going to split even more carries this year, right? Maybe he's going to get more touches this year because of Dalvin's injury history, because of the holdout process. But if they just, if they give him 13 million, they ain't splitting anything. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the problem with this holdout. I think ideally Paige, that's a great point I wanted to make. I think they would love to go 15 and nine. Yeah. Right. Better for football. Better for football for them. And, and better for Dalvin's health because yeah. he's a small dude that runs really hard and take, like that shoulder could pop back in. Uh, the injury, not the shoulder itself popping back in, but the injury could pop back up. Uh, that's a great point. But if they give him that money, you're giving him feature back money. You got to give him feature back touches. I, I think that hurts it. Yeah. And the other interesting thing too about this was last season in the games Cook played. Now keep in mind, Madison played uh, one fewer game than Cook's, it Cook's 14 that he played. Um, when Cookie was on the field, Madison still got 23% of the carries last year. And that includes one game where he didn't play. So he got a 0% for that one. So it was more like a 25% where Cook was yeah. getting around. Cook got himself about 58% of the Vikings' total rushing attempts when he played last season. Uh, and Madison was around 25% in the games that he played. So, I mean, that there isn't – especially if you're going to pay Cook, there's not a lot of room to give him a lot more. But and, and you can kind of see – you know, I show my work in the article and you can just kind of go for it. But – you could see how many yards I project him to get, how many catches, touchdowns, you know, in that scenario where either Cook misses four games for whatever reason, what that scenario could look like, assuming, again, Madison is, is remains healthy for the season. But it becomes really interesting because Madison got a lot of work last year for relative for a backup to a, a superstar running back. He got a lot of work. And I don't know if there's a lot of margin for him to get more when Cook is healthy and on the field. Jake, since you were the Dalvin Cook owner and the driver of the bus, 
um, going into this season. If you're, if you're thinking about drafting Dalvin, are you 100% handcuffing him with Madison? At the right value, yes. I'm not going to blow a fifth-round pick, uh, which is, you know, would be way too high. If you're getting down where you're like, okay, you're building that bench, and we talked about in the last show how vital this bench is going to be. Uh, if Dalvin does hold out, right, and say he misses the first three, four weeks of camp, he comes in and pulls a hamstring. If you're getting into draft time, you might already have taken him at five or six. Now, if you take Madison, sixth round, seventh round, which still may be a little bit high. I'd have to look at, you know, where the running backs are going to go. We have so many receivers. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be jumping in on Dalvin Cook without having a handcuff. Yeah, I think just from a comfortability standpoint, obviously it comes when you're drafting, right? We talk about this all the time. Wait as long as you can to draft. And I think this year more than ever before, like it's, there is absolutely no reason that you are drafting. And I know, I know people will do it because they do it every year. I tell them the same thing. They tweet at me and they said, I'm drafting next week. And it's like the end of July and training camps one weekend. And I'm going, I get that you want football, but I don't understand what you're doing. I mean, it's especially this year, because I think, like we talked about, because of the COVID situation before, there's soft tissue injuries, different things that could happen in camp in the first couple of weeks. Um, Jamie, that same question, though, I do want to, I know that Jake's the Dalvin Cook aficionado, but um, if Dalvin Cook is, if you're drafting him, what's, what is your concern? Like, how do you have to have Madison? Are you handcuffing him? I, I think you do in the sense that I, I, Barring this becoming a situation where Cook is still holding out in uh, like August, he's going in the first round. Like right now, he's he's going pick four or five right now. I I would have him again, assuming he wasn't holding out. I would have him sixth or seventh, probably number six for me is where I had him in my in my early spots. So uh, at that point, I think you have to if you're going to make a top half of the first round investment in him, you're going to have to pay a little bit of a premium. Now right now, Madison's going in the beginning of the twelfth round. That's going to change considerably. You know, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable going a few rounds higher than that. But, you know, you can't spend, you know, a sixth or seventh round pick on him. And as you get to rounds eight, nine, ten, um, you know, I, I feel like eight or nine is where you're probably going to have to take him now uh, just because everyone is aware of what's going on. And it's not like Madison's an unknown. I mean, he was a player people talked about a lot last season because of Dalvin Cook's injury history as a, hey, he's, he's a hot handcuff. Keep him, Keep an eye on him, you know. So this is not going to come as a surprise. This is not – and I say this in the article, this is not a James Conner situation where James Conner's ADP was still outside the top 50 running backs when the season started. Uh, this is not going to be like that. People are, are hyper aware because of what happened with Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon. And the fact that people are very aware of who Alexander Madison is. So if you're going to invest a first round pick in him, and by the way, this, this kind of goes for even if he comes into camp with a new deal, you're going to have to probably pay up one to two rounds premium on Madison, not three or four rounds. At that point, if somebody in your league wants to do that because they like him a lot or they were, they're trying to stick it to you or whatever it might be. I, I played in the league last year where somebody did that, where they took, I had Dalvin cook and they took Alexander Madison uh, like three rounds before I would feel comfortable doing it. Wouldn't trade him to me. Just wanted to kind of stick it to me. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it is what it is, but, you also have to be careful where you don't get opportunity costs too of you still can only play one of them a week. You're not, there's never going to be a week you're playing both. So you have to keep in mind that now you have two roster spots for one starter and what happens on bye weeks what happens when you want to pick up that hot free agent in weeks one and two, you have to remember that value matters and you can't load yourself up with too many handcuffs just because you're going to find yourself with no roster flexibility later on. But Cook is one that you make an effort to go get a couple rounds yeah. ahead, but don't get ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's that, that makes a ton of sense, Jamie. Uh, guys, as Jamie mentioned, you should check out on thedraftnetwork.com. He has a nice breakdown of Alexander Madison and uh, all that relates to the Dalvin Cook holdout with some, with some good numbers that we didn't get into, so be sure to check that out. Another running back we want to talk about here, Kenyon Drake and his fantasy value coming into this season. Uh, listen, he was one of the guys I picked up when off the waivers, when he got right, right after he got traded, and I was really happy about it because he had a hell of a small sample size with Arizona. Jake, knowing that obviously it's probably unsustainable what he did, you know, specifically like that four touchdown game. I think that was his first or second game. You know, it's definitely a skewed small sample size, but this is an opportunity for him to actually play a part in the offense, be a part of a training camp, be a part of this team long-term and really be utilized 
for the first time ever because Miami never truly used him properly. What is your what is your overall outlook on Kenyon Drake coming in this season um, from a fantasy perspective? You know, it's really interesting because I have questions of what this offense is going to look like. With that big touchdown, four touchdown game was against a bad Giants defense late in the year. Now he did light up Seattle in that last game and run for over 200, but that defense was not near the same. Usually can't do that on Seattle regardless. And he had big games. The talent is there. And I don't know if he has an injury history or if like Adam Gase would just bench him for a couple games back in Miami. Like it's hard to know like what was really going on. I know that they love Chase Edmonds and he's going to get some carries. So in that same kind of Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook thing, Chase Edmonds is going to play. Uh, now they're paying him 10 million, but it's a one year deal. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like him, I, but I, I mean, the, the DeAndre Hopkins stuff, are they going to go four wides again? Like they're talking about, like they did early in the season, they bit him in the ass. They figured out later on, we could go two tight ends, still throw it, but we have the ability to run it now. I think in a full point PPR league, I like him more than a half because I think he's going to get a ton of catches. He catches it really well out of the backfield. They're going to have some screens, but he is the feature guy. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you know Benjamin makes the team and gets some carries. I mean, that running back room is not extremely deep, but I know how much they like Chase Edmonds, who's a very similar player, but a little bit, it feels like he's a little bit bigger. He runs a little bit bigger than, than Kenyon Drake. But this is an extreme finesse offense that I don't know that they're going to run it a ton. I mean, I, it just has this feeling of everything we're hearing out of them, that Kyler Murray is going to be slinging it all over the place. They're going to be four wides. They're going to be three wides a ton. I think they're going to go four wides with somebody almost playing like a stand-up tight end uh, occasionally, which could be Larry, who's in motion, and then he's kind of standing up as a H-back kind of thing, but he's really going out in a, in a route. I don't know. I, it, to me, it's, it's tough because you, I think last year can really skew what you think you're going to get from Kenyon Drake, and that scares me. Yeah, and, and I did a deep dive. For those of you that are not only just fantasy players, but bet on player props, because right now uh, it's listed at 1,050 yards, 1,050.5 yards, um, rushing yards for Drake next year. So I kind of did a deep dive, which, again, another cheap plug. You can also read at thedraftnetwork.com. Check it out. It's not a cheap plug, man. You're the big boss. That's, <laughs> that's, that's your deal. That's not a cheap plug. But I think it's also important, too, because it provides a lot of the statistical concepts to what we're saying that are maybe not are not as pleasurable to show say on the show yeah uh, but you kind of we kind of show our work uh, on the website for lack of a better phrase to how we get here but so uh, look, looking at what they did last year the cardinals ran 25.2 times per game but only between 17 and 18 times per game for running backs so you have to take out kyler murray and take out a lot of the jet sweeps and some of the things that they did so they only ran about 17 or 18 times per game to running backs which is going to be a big factor here because I looked at Chase Edmonds, and Edmonds is going to get if – you, if you're not familiar with him, or I'm sure Arizona listeners are very familiar, but if you're not, he is going to be a factor, like Jake said. They, they like him a lot. Uh, this is another coaching staff. That's probably the third consecutive coaching staff that has really liked what Chase Edmonds can bring. Um, he was a guy that I, I took out his, his big – he didn't technically start, I think, or did he start that, that weird Giants game where David Johnson was active and didn't play and all that other stuff. But I took out that 27-carry game and just looked at the games prior to his hamstring injury last year. He was getting about 4.4 carries a game. So if you take that away from the 18, you're looking at about 13 or 14 carries a game for Kenyon Drake. And at his career averages, which is 4.8 yards per carry, which is not, which is not terrible. I mean, that, that, that's, a pretty solid, that's a pretty solid mark. You're not going to get enough to get to this 1,100, 1,200 rushing yards. I've seen a lot of places projecting for him as much as you like him. I have him around to about 218 carries next year. You know, so I think he's going to be hanging right around 1,000, uh, maybe a little bit over 1,000. But, but I just don't think they're going to run the ball enough, especially now with Murray taking a step forward, getting DeAndre Hopkins. I, I, I don't see them – I mean, last year they, they were the 12th – they ran the 12th fewest percent of their plays uh, were running plays at about 40%. And I think that's kind of where they're going to be at this year. So the crux of this and where you look at his fantasy value, because I, ha I have him around – I think my projection came out to 1,045 rushing yards for him next year. So the crux is, do you think he's going to get significantly more carries and the Cardinals are going to run a lot more on offense? Do you think he's going to replicate his 5.2, 5.3 yards per carry he did over a short season? I don't think either one of those things are happening. Just kind of temper your expectation because I'm seeing Kenny Drake go as like the seventh or eighth or ninth running back overall in fantasy. Wow. And I just, I, I, yeah, right now, I'm going to look at his, his, what his ADP was because I did this from a gambling perspective, but I do want to see what his actual ADP is right now. Um, 
in, in PPR formats, and I like him a lot, but he is going at beyond full value at this point. Yeah, that has um, to be, be that has to be totally related to as Jake mentioned and I mentioned too. Yeah, that's too Overall. early for me. That's too that's too early for so me. Round one? Yeah. I, I, I like him. I can't buy into the round one turn for Kenyon Drake. I not just in, don't see him getting enough work. Not in that offense, right? I, I think especially not in that offense and not in that offense with Chase Edmonds, who I know, like Jake has said, know they like. And I think, you know, Benjamin's going to make the roster and I think he's going to take some carries away too, potentially, if they're, if they're doing that. So I just, I don't know. I don't love this one, especially in light of the fact that they now have a premier wide receiver that they can go to and make that a focal point as much as Kyler Murray could potentially be running the football and taking away. I think, Jamie, you bringing up the numbers, right? Going to, okay, this is how – this is how little they were actually running, especially when you take the Jeb sweeps and you take the Kyler Murray runs out. You're like, okay, this isn't a running football team. So, Jake, your your thoughts on that seventh overall? Because I'm I'm out on that. No chance in hell. Yeah. I'm yeah. taking him in the first round, uh, and that's why I love this show. I just went with my gut on what I've seen in the past, what I'm hearing, what I think they're going to do in the future, and then Jamie gives us the actual numbers of what it is. And those numbers, by the way, at 4.8 yards a carry. I'm pretty sure Jamal Charles and Jim Brown, that's like leading the NFL history if he yeah. qualifies with enough carries, which he doesn't have yet. So that tells me there's no way in hell he's staying at 4.8 because he ain't Jamal Charles and he sure as hell ain't Jim Brown. And I don't know that they're going to get anywhere near there. If Christian Kirk's healthy, there's going to be some jet sweeps. They're going to be in a shotgun a ton. Who's running it on third and one, third and two, fourth and one? Is it Kenyon Drake or is it Chase Edmonds who runs a lot harder, gets a lot lower? There's carries there. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm taking the under. Basically, the donor's you know, 1,050.5. Jamie's got you know, 1,045. I'm still taking the under. I, th- I like him on the year. I think the catches, there's going to be some big plays in the catch game. Uh, but as far as actual running, so that's, that's why I'm like, I'd love to get him in the second round. If it's a, you know, a 12-man league, full-point PPR, and you can get him at 13 or 14, if you're picking you know second pick of the second round or something, I like that. But yeah. seven? No. Mm-mm. I'm hoping I get Dalvin Cook at seven or eight. I was going to say – it's not the other way around. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think that if you want to get in on that, on that prop bet that Jamie and Jake were both talking about, that's on mybookie.ag. It's 1,050 yards, 50.5 yards. And the consensus is the under right now uh, for TDN. So we're, we're taking the under on that prop bet. Last topic of the day is TDN favorite Odell Beckham Jr. Right. I say TDN favorite because we got called haters last year for speaking truth about Odell Beckham Jr. from a fantasy perspective. And boy, oh boy, were we right. Uh, and, and as you, as you, if you're a, a listener of this show, you know, uh, me especially, I like to point out when we're right. So uh, this is, this is definitely one of those ones where Petty Page comes out and I'm like, yeah, it's uh, going to find some old tweets of people telling us that we were haters uh, about Odell Beckham Jr. But the Browns obviously had bigger issues than just Odell Beckham Jr. So, Jamie, when you look at Odell coming into this year, right, we talked about substance over swag for that football team in general. So far, that's been pretty good, right? We haven't had training camp yet, so I don't want to speak too soon because there's still an opportunity for that group of egos to uh, try and talk smack ahead of time, right? I think they've learned their lesson, hopefully, but we'll see. What is your overall outlook coming into the season for, for Odell Beckham Jr.? It's kind of mixed, and here's why. I, I'm excited for him to bounce back. Uh, I think he's going to have a strong season. But I think Kevin Stefanski coming in is going to change the way this offense operates, a lot like it changed the way Minnesota's offense operated when he was the offensive coordinator. And you know, doing some deep dives into it, you know, I, I took a look at what happened with Kirk Cousins' pass attempts. You know, he, had, he played his first 13 games in Minnesota, uh, with a different offensive coordinator, played 18 with Kevin Stefanski. His passing attempts per game dropped from 40.3 to 29.2 uh, in that period of time under Stefanski. So uh, I could see a similar sort of percentage drop happen with Baker Mayfield. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be just less targets overall and volume to go around. And look, the Browns might be a better team overall, and I expect them to be a better team overall by leading more on Chubb, leaning more on Cream Hunt, leaning more on a on a ground control game, and then working off of that to their premier guys, Jarvis Landry, Noto Beckham Jr., uh, and Austin Hooper, uh, you know, in the passing game. But 
I'm concerned about the total volume that we're going to see from Mayfield because, you know, we're looking at potentially as much as a four to five passing attempts per game drop from what Mayfield's averaged over his career so far. And that's going to affect targets. So I, I look at him and looking at keeping Beckham's constant, you know, 25% target share that we saw from him last year. I think he's looking to get around 116 targets if he plays a full season, which is it's not terrible, but he's not going to be this premier option in that case. You know, he's going to be more of in the, you know, the lower 70s in catches. He's going to be around, you know, a little bit closer to 1,000 receiving yards. I mean, touchdowns are a little bit more fluky, but he's still going to be good. But I think if you're expecting him to be New York Giants Odell Beckham at any point, I don't think this offense is currently constructed is set up for him to be in that scenario. I think that sort of situation is no longer there, regardless of his talent, regardless even of his health at this point. I don't think he could do that with 16 healthy OBJ games. And his injury history hasn't, doesn't exactly just go away because he had a healthy season once. So I'm, a, I, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I think his numbers are going to actually probably look very similar to what they did last year, just because I don't think they're going to throw as often. So he's going to get some per snap, or I guess you'd say per target progression, but, he's, but his overall numbers for fantasy purposes and for player prop purposes at the end of the year, I'm not sure they're going to be that different than what we saw in his first year in Cleveland. There's a weird dichotomy here. I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly for the fantasy value. I personally think we're going to see a lot of the old OBJ on the flashy catches, the big plays. I don't know how many of them are going to be. To go back to your point, you know, John Filippo got fired because they were throwing it a ton in Minnesota and they wanted to run it. And they came in and then they overly ran it with Stefanski. There's going to be a mix there. The bigger question to me is what does Stefanski do with a guy that almost exclusively has played in the shotgun in college and his first couple of years in the NFL? You go back and look at what Minnesota did under Stefanski. Kirk Cousins under center a ton. Yeah, much more like the rest of the league in a traditional NFL offense. Baker's never done that. So does he cater to Baker a little bit and they run it out of shotgun? Or do they – there's got to be some kind of mix there, right? They have two dynamic running backs. They now have Kareem Hunt, 100% healthy, with Nick Chubb. We saw them both in the backfield together last year. The offensive line should be tremendously better with the guys that they picked up in Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wells. Um, I still think you're going to see the high-flying OBJ. I like the over on the catches. I think he's going to have more than 75 and a half catches. Okay. I don't know that the giant numbers are going to be there. If he has more than that, then he probably goes over on the yards as well, but it's going to be close. He's still going to be the premier target, but they added Austin Hooper. They've got, they still have Njoku. Jarvis Landry's there. They're going to throw it to the running backs. Uh, but I still think he's going to be the main target. He's going to be, if you think Kevin Stefanski's offense, he's Stephon Diggs, but he's better than Stephon Diggs if he's healthy and motivated. And I think, I think you're going to get a healthy and motivated version of him early. Whether he stays healthy or not, we don't know. Uh, I'd like the over on the catches and probably a little bit over on the yards. I think we're going to have a monster year of flash from him. And just judging off the way he's handled this offseason on Twitter and some of the stuff going on in the world, he just seems like he's matured a little bit. He's let some of the BS go, and I hope that's the case, and I hope that translates to the field. Because there's nobody more dynamic or fun to watch than him when yeah. he's healthy and playing. No, if they're winning games, he's going to be okay with five catches for you know 90 yards, four catches for 110 and a touchdown. He's going to be okay with that. So, I mean, you only got to have 4.7 yards or 4.7 catches a game to get over 75 and a half. I like that. The yards will be close. The touchdowns, they, they, touch who, who the hell yeah. knows. But I do They're think we're going to see some really fun, exciting stuff. Because I like with this, this, this team went the polar opposite of what we've seen. I hope that continues and I hope it goes into the season. And if they start hot, and I'm on the record as saying, they start hot early and then they can start getting that confidence and that swag going when they're six and two through the first eight, then watch out. But I think you're going to see him on his best behavior without the antics, as long as they're winning. <laughs> but I think you're going to see a lot of those big high-flying catches that only a couple of guys in the league can do, and he's one of them. But if you think about him as Diggs and that Stefanski offense, but he's better than that, I think it's going to be a big year for him. I'm so, actually want, I could actually want a piece of him at the right value this year. Interesting. I want no part yeah, of it. You didn't want to, you didn't want to touch it last year. So these are the numbers officially. This is on my bookie. Odo Beckham Jr. for the for this season, 2020, 75 and a half catches. Uh, 1,050.5 yards and six and a half touchdowns. Jake is going over, over on catches and yards and not touching the touchdowns. Jamie, what are you looking at here? 
Yeah, I'm under, again, it's kind of a package deal the way it's, it's set up. So if you're over on one of the receptions or yards, you're probably over on the other. Uh, I'm taking the slight under here. I'm, I'm going back to see what I exactly had him worked out for. Uh, I think I had him here for like 71 catches. Um, and I'm trying to see what I had for the exact yards. So but, real I mean, close. It, it's all really, really close. But, you know, I, you know, I think it's going to be right on the edge. My concern is going to be how many targets does he get? Because there's still only so much you can do. Uh, if they limit the amount of targets or he misses some time or any of the other stuff. But uh, I'm expecting when he's out there to actually have a better season than he did last year. I just think this offense is going to look a lot different because it needs to look a lot different. Um, I, and we'll see how dramatic some of these changes are. Because I know everybody's, everybody's like half worried about Chubb and half not. It's weird. Some people are like, no, he's my he's a bona fide in the first round pick. Some are like, yeah, with Hunt there. And I, I don't know what if I don't know if I want him or not. So, it's going to be interesting to see how that offense plays out. And again, as we've talked about, the unknown factor of new head coach coming in with a very limited offseason, how does that affect things early on? Yeah, I think we're, this is a wait and see for me with Odell because I think, yes, while the antics have not been there as much, the spotlight is not there as well because of everything that's happening in the country because of COVID, the not having to report, not having to talk to reporters every day and be in the media scrums. And let's see, let's revisit this conversation in August. Right. Let's revisit this conversation two weeks in August and see see where we sit, frankly, on all of these Browns, because this is a this is a team that's got a lot of fantasy value, potentially, uh, where you're looking around and you're going, man, there's a lot of a lot of good players here. But there's also a lot of mouths to feed. Right. And two two premier running backs, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. and Austin Hooper. And it's there's a lot. There's a lot there with a with a much, much better offensive line. I anticipate they're going to run the football significantly more than they did last year because that was their big problem. And, and Baker struggled big time because of that. He was on the run constantly. So let's see what this, let's see what this team looks like after a couple of weeks together in training camp. Two points to that, Paige. One, you said value. Yeah. For the fantasy guys on this team, you better get good value. If you over, overtake any of them, you're, it's going to bite you. My second point is, of all those mouths to feed, Who's the most dynamic player in this offense, if healthy and motivated and playing well? Sodell, yeah, for by, sure. By, by far. There's still okay. nobody else that's, that's him. Kareem Hunt, I think, is probably second. Yeah. Jarvis okay. Landry's solid, but Jarvis Landry, if you go back and break down all his catches, and we talked about this a couple years on the show, he was breaking the catch record until Michael Thomas just blew it out of the water. But, but eight, what, 80% of them were within four yards of the line of scrimmage for his first couple yeah. years in Miami. Good run after the catch guy. Not real fast. Runs dynamic routes. He's going to be – the Adam Thielen-ish here, but Adam Thielen's more explosive than Jarvis Landry is. Um, Odell's still the premier guy and the premier option in this offense when I sit there and go, okay, there's all those mouths to feed. If you're going to feed one, if you got to have a go-to guy. And the other thing I think helps him is there are all these mouths to feed. You have to defend all these other guys, yeah, which means good point. he's still got the ability to go be him. Now, he's got to be – he got to have the head on straight. The, the, as my boy Beast Mo would say, the mentals have to be there. Um, for him to play at his premiere, but I expect that I really do. I, I, I just have, and this, this is why I love the show again. Like Jamie's given us the exact numbers of what happened in the past. I'm giving you my feeling of what I think they're going to do on this offense. They're going to run it. They're going to go to him. We'll see. And strictly as a football fan, I want a really big Odell Beckham Jr. year because man, he's fun to watch. That's why. That's why I thought last year it was funny that people were calling us haters on it because it was like that has nothing to do. I love the talent, and man, I love the an I love the antics when you're winning. It's when you're losing. I don't like the BS because you can't do that when you're losing. That's just how it is. And nobody, nobody yells at Tom Brady when you're on the sidelines losing your losing your mind because you're winning and you won six Super Bowls. When you act like an idiot and you go crazy on the sidelines and you're down three touchdowns and Eli Manning just threw three straight picks, that's when things got – and obviously New York's a whole other animal just from, a sure, media, just from a media perspective in general. But it's important – look, your reward for doing your job well and winning is you get to do those things. Yes. But that yes. also means when you're not doing your job well personally and your team is not doing well, you shut up. Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's the nature of everything in life. Yeah. Like, you know, you want to close a big, you close a big business deal for your company. You guys go out and want to go have a rager and, you know, celebrate your multi-million dollar new partnership. God Great. bless. It, it happens all the time in the business world. You just lost a big deal fall through because you made a mistake. 
you then can't go out and be like, yeah, well, you know what I, but that one report I did was great. Let's go, let's go drink. How would that be viewed in, in the, the business world? It's just as ridiculously. Again, there are certain this life principles that don't go out the door because we're playing football. Like it's yeah. very simple. You can do it. You can do, you can get away with almost anything. If you're winning and you're performing well, uh, you just kind of know when you just kind of keep your mouth shut. You know what I'd love to see? You know what I'd love to see from OBJ at this point? Because nobody has more swag. Nobody's oh, yeah. got more attention, no, and good and bad attention. I would love to see from him Larry Fitzgerald. So much. Touchdown and hand the ball to the ref. Please. With no celebration. No $500,000 Richard Meal watch on. Just make a freakish one-handed catch, toss the ball to the ref, and go back to the huddle. while Everybody's going bananas, and you don't react at all. Like, it's just business as freaking usual. I'd love to see that for the rest of his career. Because you've already yeah. gotten the accolades from the freaking three-finger catch behind your head. We all know that's coming. Just don't celebrate. Just act like that's business as usual. Hand the ball to the ref and go celebrate with your teammates on the sidelines with none of the antics. Man, to me, that'd be the swaggiest freaking thing he could do. Oh, I know. Not try to bring any extra attention. Like, this. no, it's just who I am. This it's, is my job. That's business as it's usual. Same, it's the same thing we said about Baker, right? It's the huh? same conversation. It's just, it, you know what I mean? And it's, it's just – there's a way you handle your business. And, and I think, you know, the best example, we brought him up last year, but Lamar Jackson. What, what was the, the – yeah, once he put on some sunglasses on the sideline. But that was it. But otherwise – Who cares? And, and, Which was like goofy he, cool. Yeah. But he did it, it, like, yeah he, that's a great he example, did, Jamie. He didn't Joe Hornet. You know, he didn't pull it out of the – you know, pull it out from under the field goal. He didn't – you know, he was on the bench and just doing something cool with his teammates. And that whole team – and, it, again, it starts with Baker all the way down needs to exemplify more professionalism this year because you had the opportunity last year. Look, I, I had no issue with the, how swaggy they were last year if they then backed it up on the field. 100%. They, they, they couldn't back up. They, couldn't, they wrote checks. Their ass couldn't cash. Now it's time to be a little bit more humble. And as those checks start to clear, you can start to bring back that swag again. It, it, it just, all it has to do is match. It's all we're, I think that's all we're ever yeah. asking is just, is, is, does, your, does your swagger, does your celebration match your performance and your team's performance? When those are in sync, everybody loves you. You get endorsement deals. You're the talk of – you're on the, the lead story of ESPN. When they don't, you're the lead story of ESPN for the wrong reason. And that's kind of what happened to them last year. It sets you right. up for these highs and lows and none of yeah. the stability, right? I tell people all the time watching games and, you, you know, you're, you're, you're whatever fan and you're watching, uh, you know, the game with the other fan and the other team and they score a touchdown and you know your team's better. And they score a touchdown early and it's, it's 10-3 and they're talking shit in the first quarter. You like, stay dude, quiet. It's a, long, it's a long game and you end up winning 40-10. to 10. I ain't saying shit at that point because you already made a fool of yourself. Yeah. Right? The, the, if you're having all this <laughs> swag early in the season, it sets you up for these highs and these lows and the fans see it. If they go out and they dust whoever their opener is, and there's no swag. And Baker's in the press conference after the game with his hair combed and not an overly freaking baggy trench coat on. It looks professional. And he goes, that's what we came to do. Bye. I'll see you next week. Like, not, that's what Lamar did. Lamar, yeah. The only time you saw Lamar get antics was he was pissed off because he tripped himself and didn't score a freaking touchdown. I was going to say. He the only this crazy, sexy-ass nonsense run. And instead of getting up and celebrating, he's like, oh, shit, I didn't score. <laughs> he's all mad at himself. Like, it was never good enough. It was business as usual. This is what we this will practice all week. It's what we came to do. That's what we did. The only time you saw anything from him is it wasn't like this extraordinary season Lamar Jackson had. It wasn't good enough. Like, yeah. that's where you don't set yourself up for the highs and lows, man. That's business as usual. That's what we came to do. This is the bar. We're going to hit the bar. If we blow the bar out of the water, this is the bar next week. We're not going to say this is now the bar. This bar was good enough. This is what we practiced and what we came to do. If everything comes together and you blow somebody out, great. You never want to come down here. You never want to set yourself up to come down here because the fans, they don't want to live like this. The, the, the saying, act like you've been there before, applies so much to last year's offseason with them because you yeah, could tell. None of them had ever been there before, but they were the, acting like they were all these superstars. The Browns had been, have been so bad for so long. And even though they only won a few games with Baker, and that, that, that in and of itself felt, felt monumental. Right. And so they took that and instead of taking it and motivating themselves and getting better in the offseason, they took it and they took shirtless photos with tigers and Rolls Royces and put them put themselves on Odell did that GQ interview and you're calling out all the I mean, they, they went from one extreme where they had a little bit of success and they went 
now we're going to go all the way over here. Whereas the Ravens, who have a coach who's won a Super Bowl, been there and done that, an organization that wins consistently, you saw the two. One knows how to do it because they've been there and they've done that. The other one doesn't know how to do it because they haven't been there and they haven't done it. And head coach had no control over what was going on. And it was very clear very early on that it was a free-for-all. And there wasn't the right leadership in the room, whether that was Freddie or Baker or both of them, to come in and say, no, this is not how this team is going to act because we want to win football games. So that's – will that Regardless change? Regardless of who your quarterback is, the leadership comes from the top. Got to have it. That's even Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Got to have Bill it. Bill Belichick before Tom was the extreme leader that he is. It's still the same in Tampa. The head coach is still setting the tone, and Freddie didn't set that tone. Nope. It was a free-for-all for all of it. A great point. And then in Harbaugh, we all love it. Yeah. That tone was set by Isaac Newsom and Brian sure. years before, and Harbaugh just kept it going, like the Ravens or whatever. This division, I'll give you my final thoughts now. This division, yeah. I'm so excited about. Yeah. This freaking, like the Steelers, I'm big on. I think Ben has a monster year. I think the Ravens take a step back, but are going to be damn good. And I'm telling you right now, man, this Brown team starts hot, and they start getting some not fake confidence, not, not fake bravado, but real internal confidence of we belong, we're good, we've fixed some problems, we have faith in our head coach, we have faith in our plan, this coaching staff, this organization. Watch out down the stretch. I'm with you. They got the pieces if they stay healthy and they put it together and they can get that momentum going. The Steelers have been there and done that. The Ravens have been there and done that, but this new younger version of the Ravens hasn't. They're no, hungry. totally. For sure. Man, I, if this division is going to be good. Yeah. so much fun to watch. Good final thoughts, especially because I think there's a lot to be excited about, about that division and, and the bottom of that division being the Cincinnati Bengals reminds me a lot of potentially what we saw from Arizona last year, where the defense wasn't very good, but they have a young quarterback. They could be exciting and, and interesting on offense and they could hold it down for enough of a game. And I think Joe Burrow has enough of that in him that I could see very much like they win five games, maybe maybe six, like like Arizona did. But they're interesting. They're fun to watch. They're not they getting got blown better weapons out. Than Arizona had. Last That's exactly year. right. That's exactly right. So I, I think that'll be interesting to pay attention to. Jamie, your final thoughts here. Yeah, my final thoughts of again already looking at the schedule. Uh, but the first six weeks are going to be interesting for them for Cleveland because they, they come right out of the gate in Baltimore. <laughs> uh, then they they come back home and face Joe Burrow in his second start. Home against Washington, which again, again, they should win, but could be, uh, could be a little bit of a nightmare Tough game. for Baker Mayfield with with all the defensive players that Washington has. We talked about that for a lot. Uh, then they go to Dallas, home against the Colts, and then to Pittsburgh on Miles Garrett bobblehead. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see um, how they get through that six week stretch where they have four incredibly difficult games a divisional game uh and then you know again they should they should be washington they have enough talent even with all the pieces that washington has on in the front seven but that stretch is going to be interesting because if they can if they can handle business if they can beat even two you know let's say they beat the Bengals, they beat the the redskins if they can find two other wins from at baltimore at pittsburgh at dallas versus colts all four playoff caliber teams two of them in the division and three of them on the road that's, I mean, then you're going to look at this team and go, they might, they might be four and two or three and three, but you're going to go, oh, they're, they're coming. They, they're, they're competing with these top teams now. This is a team that could threaten for a playoff spot. So it'll be very interesting to see how they get through that stretch. If they're four and two with a win over Pittsburgh or Baltimore, and it wouldn't shock me at all if they went to Baltimore and won in the opener. I yeah. can see Baltimore having a letdown and them, them hitting them in the mouth. Uh, man. That's huge. If they're four and two with a win over one of those two on the road early, watch out. Yeah. Now I they think, could be they could be two and four. I was gonna say they and, could and be very that, easily. Now we're like, okay, Stefanski, let's see how you hold this together because they could the second half's not near as bad. Um, they don't have it. That's a tough stretch, but that That's, that'll they're, we're gonna know early. They they got to hold at least. They got to end that stretch at least three and three. Like they got they, they gotta be got five. That. They gotta be five hundred at that point to just not let this go completely off the rails because if they're two and four, the media is just gonna rickroll them and it'll be terrible. Look, Beat the two teams you should beat. You should yep. beat Cincy at home. You should beat Washington. Yep. Then at that point, there's no reason you can't steal one of those games, like mm-hmm. against the Colts, against Dallas. Like, honestly, they're, uh, from a, if we took divisions out of the equation, we just looked at pure talent teams, 
they're in the same tier as Dallas and Indianapolis. Oh, 100%. So those, are, those, are, those are true toss-up games. I don't think they're better than Pittsburgh. I don't think they're better than Baltimore, especially on the road. So if they are able to win those games, it's a big, that's a nice feather in your cap. But you have two games that you should be expected to win, two games you're expected to lose, and two toss-ups. Anything less, I mean, you should be three and three in that stretch, yep. assuming you're relatively healthy. And I like you... their chances of beating Baltimore on the road more than Pittsburgh. One is Ben's the king of Ohio. And two, we talked about, I think we're going to see bad football in September. Yeah. 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 And that, that will be, yeah. If they end up, like I said, minimum three and three after that, they'll, they should feel pretty good. But if you, man, if you're four and two after that stretch, we're going to, we're going to, I'll allow to, a little bit of the swagger to come back. If that's, if that's what we're looking at after six weeks of football, uh, I'll be I'll be driving the Baker train again because I'm I'm all in. I want the Browns to win, man. A, a city that is so deserving of watching great football and Baker, man, he was so fun at Oklahoma. We loved him his first year. It was just last year that you were watching him sour and baby. No, they, the problem last year was they sucked on the field and every damn time. Any game we went to commercials, yeah, we all watched commercials. Freaking, yeah, I, like, know. I don't want to see was, that shit. You ain't no, nothing. No, I want to see all of them and that. Professional, hand the ball to ref, act like you've been there before. Business as usual. Give me that. Yeah, that's um the the my final thought here is what Jake brought up about Larry Fitzgerald. I have talked to so many defensive players. Okay. Patrick Peterson being the one who goes up against him in practice a lot. Nothing pisses off a cornerback more than they are talking so much shit to you, and Larry doesn't say a word. He doesn't talk back. He gives the ball to the ref. It drives the defensive players absolutely insane. And it is the ultimate form of pettiness. Honestly, it is so great. It is so fantastic to watch. And you, cause in your head, you know, Larry's like, I'm, I'm a goat. Like I'm, I am he. If you are not that good, if you don't know how talented you are. And if you talk to Larry, trust me, Larry knows exactly where his place is in history. He just don't talk. While he's playing. And it's, it is he so does. fun. He it's, does, though. It's slap you on the ass. Good, Great job. Good Great job. job. It, it's That's Andrew, what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's Andrew Luck, but Andrew's just this goofy, nice dude that was like, man, you knocked the shit out of me. Thanks, buddy. Like, that was <laughs> awesome. Larry's like, you're talking Jalen Ramsey, who talks more yeah. than anybody. He's talking smack. Larry catches a one-handed third and eight catch for 11 yards, gets up and slaps him on the ass. He didn't say nothing, but he's saying a lot. And Larry's a direct – and it's on purpose. And it's oh, he's doing off. it. Yeah, he's doing it on purpose. There's, there, is a, there is a direct correlation between him getting in heads of cornerbacks. And trust me, they, it pisses all of them off. And it's very, very fun to watch. Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Jake? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore. You can follow the Draft Network at the Draft Network on both Twitter and Instagram. And you should check out all of Jamie's articles on the Fantasy tab on thedraftnetwork.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.